Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Broadcasting from the Morton studio today, I'm Darren Hefty. We are going to be talking about fixing micronutrient issues on your farm. We're also going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Yeah, the micronutrients are interesting. And I would say a pretty good percentage of farmers that I talk to say, well, I went to ask about micronutrients at my local supplier and they told me they weren't important. Or they told me they don't even stock them or they can't get them or or something along those lines of just, nah, forget about it. Worry about other stuff. Don't worry about micros. But here's the challenge. If you've got N, P, and K taken care of, you've got your pH in line, micronutrients are one of the next things that are going to hold you back in terms of yield. So we want to talk about how to fix some of those issues on today's program. And yes, I understand it's 2022 and that's not exactly, uh, at least cost-wise, the best time to fix a lot of these things. But you know what? you got to first be aware that you've got a problem. Then you've got to find, well, what are my potential solutions? And then you have to run the numbers on them and see what the return on investment is going to be. Because you know what? You may say, well, fertilizer is high-priced right now, and some fertilizers went up more than others. Others may be fairly similar to, to prices you've seen in the past, but I, I understand. For the most part, things are up quite a ways. But you got to run those numbers because our crop prices are good too. And if you say, man, if this could add 10 bushels for me and it costs 20 bucks, well, that could be easily worth it. So you just got to check those things out and find out what you need. So when we think about micros, one of the first things that we look at is just what do you need in general? And when we look at things like boron on soil tests and we see parts per million at 0.2 or 0.4 or 0.6, it's just not enough. We, we need to have a part per million in most cases or more. And we're trying to build soils in the West where we're dry and our ground is frozen half the year and we got heavy ground. And I, I understand, too, in areas where it never freezes and we've got light sandy soils and heavy rainfall, we're going to have to spoon feed boron out there quite often. So we do want to figure out what those levels are and then take a look at what we can do to get them under control. We've got some great guests lined up on today's program. And, of course, we are taking your calls and questions, too, at 844 844- 44 Ag PhD. But right now, I want to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! And first question here, speaking about nutrients that you need, uh, is a question about the Ag PhD fertilizer removal app. Uh, so that one is our most popular app that we've got. We've got just a ton of downloads of that thing, and we get questions all the time about how to how to interpret it and, and what to do on various crops. So when you look at the Ag PhD fertilizer removal app, it's a free download uh, for your phone or your, your tablet. I got this one in from Kurt who said, I'm wondering, are the nutrients required for the target yield for 1,000 square meters or 10,000 square meters in metric units? Thanks. Well, really what we're doing is for for a certain crop yield, we've got the nutrients based on the International Plant Nutrition Institute's numbers for exactly how many nutrients that crop is going to need to be produced. So we've got a couple different things on there. There's three columns, and let's just enter something just for an example. Let's just say 200 bushel corn. And if we're looking at oh, – I just pulled up alfalfa. Got to be careful with my fingers here. Okay, for corn, 200 bushels, 
in the standard measurement, you've got a, a little blue box over to the right that you can pick either standard or metric. Uh, so for 200 bushel corn, it tells me I need 224 total pounds of nitrogen, 134 pounds for the grain, and 90 pounds for the stover. That's based on 200 bushels of corn. Now, it doesn't matter if you're raising that on a half an acre or a whole acre or five acres. That's how much you need to raise 200 bushels. So the same thing when you click on metric for the measurement instead, it's going to be in metric tons. So however met many metric tons you're raising, that's, that's what you're going to need. So, for example, just say that, that you put one metric ton of corn. It tells you you need 20 total kilograms of nitrogen, 12 for the grain and 8 for the stover. And you just go from there. So whatever your, your basis is, I'm assuming it's going to be hectares. That's what I would look at and, and figure out what's your yield per hectare. And then that's going to tell you how many pounds of nutrients you're going to need per hectare. Hey, thanks, Kurt. We really appreciate the question. Now, there's a lot of them on that app. So thank you for downloading the app, and, and good luck to you here as you're raising your crops. All right, next one comes from Cassie, and I've got a picture here of a cute little guy uh, in an Ag PhD shirt, of all things. And she said, hey, uh, little Cam here was at the field day last year only. He was still on the inside. He plans to make a return visit this summer so you can see what all the hype's about. And he was going to wear this uh 12-month outfit at field day last year, but he's already filling it out at three and a half months. Wow, he is a big dude. Uh, hope to see you in July. Hey, Cassie, thank you so much. Really appreciate the the picture and and the comment and, and do hope to see you at the field day. Make sure you say hi if you're there. All right, got another one here from Alex. And uh, in regards to how many acres a farmer can plant in a day, he said, I'm going to make a bigger seed tank on our planters so we can plant a lot more acres with each fill and plant longer. That's one thing if you're not a farmer you may have noticed that much of the equipment is getting bigger and bigger in an attempt to cover more acres in a day. Uh, so that's that's one of the reasons we were talking about that topic. And then for Alex's uh, comment here, if they make a bigger hopper to hold more seed, obviously they can make more acres before they have to fill up. So the fill times where you can't be driving the tractor, uh, just just take a lot of time. And guys are always working on how do we reduce those fill times. So thanks for the comment, Alex. We really appreciate that. Uh, get another one here. This comes from SKM. I am in Zimbabwe. And I'm sending my love. I'm watching your videos every day. Hey, thanks, SKM. Really appreciate that. We do get a lot of international viewers that are finding our content online and uh, and checking out our audio podcast as well. So if you haven't got that going, uh, download the podcast too, SKM. You'll get a daily update from us on what's going on and, and hopefully enjoy the conversation as well. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about fixing micronutrient issues on your farm on today's program. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. During the Bronze Age, grain sorghum was a common crop in developing agriculture. Today's technology has changed virtually everything 
but grain sorghum largely hasn't changed until now. Introducing Emiflex herbicide, paired with iGrowth non-GMO herbicide-resistant grain sorghum, this duo controls foxtail and other toughweeds pre and post-emergence so you can grow like never before. Make history in your sorghum makers. Start today at sorghumpotential.com. Always read and follow label directions. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answers to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Tuesday, February 15th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, and more. If you want to make raising soybeans more lucrative and fun, you don't want to miss the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Weeds rob you of yield potential, so rob them of the chance to grow with powerful corn herbicide solutions from Corteva AgriScience. Weeds won't know what hit them, but you will. Because you can count on all the top corn herbicide products, including Resicor, SureStart 2, and Keystone NXT, to effectively control weeds, you can spend less time worrying about unwanted yield-robbing plants and power on. Learn more at PowerOverWeeds.com power. Keystone NXT is a restricted-use pesticide. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about fixing micronutrient issues on your farm and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. I focused on that word fixing because really when you identify a problem, that's one thing, but getting it fixed is so important. And with micros, the cool thing is, in many cases anyway, once you fix it, you're done. Now, I get it. There's going to be uh, some annual maintenance that goes into this. And then, of course, with boron, if you're subject to leaching or you get lots of rainfall or irrigation water or whatnot, may have to be putting that on all the time here. But at least with some of these nutrients, you can get them fixed and, and really lessen that burden going forward. Got our friend Bill Brush on with us right now. He's a consultant out in the state of California. Bill, how are you doing? Great. How are you guys doing back there? You know, we're doing well. We have avoided the snow here. So even though we're in this massive drought and any moisture would be welcome, I'm kind of waiting for the moisture to be in the liquid form. <laughs> we have been uh, unseasonably warm. You know, it'll probably hit in the mid-70s today, With, uh, but we haven't seen rain for per at least six weeks, and I don't see any on the horizon. So that doesn't bode well for our growing season in this state. But as I always like to say, that's one thing that's out of our hands. We try to control the things we can control and work with those. You know, one of those things we can control is our micronutrient levels in our crops and in our soils. And I've seen a lot of soil tests where they aren't even on the test. I know you run complete analysis with your growers and, and micros are certainly on the docket. When you see a big micro problem, in most cases, is it economical to just go fix it? Or do you say, well, that's too much money. We're going to have to just deal with it on a year by year basis. I always look at there's more than uh, one way to work in the problem. Uh, if you're looking long-term, exactly what you need to do is to fix that piece of ground, and you need to do it step-by-step step at what your budget will allow it to do. Uh, you'll never get there if you don't get started at some point. Then, then having said that, and, and I'm we farm out here too, so 
we are in a year that obviously input costs are going to be at some of the highest on on those items that you know mpk and s and keeping calcium magnesium correct uh we tend to short micronutrients but your crop yield always will be boosted by getting those weaknesses that you have the old lowest stave in the barrel theory of that well, there's a point where the micronutrients are the limiting factor but you have to have those others but but having said that you know when you're having to spend most of your budget for the what i would call essentials your next thing is how do i manage uh the micronutrient situation fortunately you know it can be handled temporarily not that you have a long-term fix like we're trying to get to but you can make progress or or get your crop the added micronutrients because by definition they don't need a lot because they are needed in small amounts and you can do some foliars the the problem i've seen with with a lot of growers is, is that you have to have the timing to get make those passes through the field to get those uh, micronutrients on at the right time which most of the time is early in the season and getting them in the right proportion and knowing what you need. But if you don't have that complete soil test to know what you're low in, how would you know what to put on in the form of micronutrients? So again, it always comes back to what I say. Uh, I think Doc, uh, Neil Kinsey will say this, you can't fix what you can't measure. So we need to measure those properly and see what we really need to wor work on. And if there's anything left in the budget, start right there by getting those uh, small amounts to try to build some some parts per million of these micronutrients. You know, the small amounts is one of the challenges. So I talk to farmers all the time that are really interested in fixing these problems, but then they figure out, man, I only need a few pounds of this or a few pounds of that. And how do you do that? How do you apply that? Is liquid the best way? Is banding a good thing? Or do you want to broadcast? What What do you want to do, Bill? Well, I always think that the best and most efficient way to do things on, on a row crop situation is, is broadcasting. And it's one of those things, if, if those furrows are in the same position, but you're basically watering your whole field. And so you want to get many, uh, as much surface area with those micronutrients where when it does get wet, you'll be able to pick up them, pick up those micronutrients from anywhere in the field. But one of the things that that has been done out here and there's a lot of this going now with where a lot of the big spreading equipment will have some small hoppers on there so you can put small volumes on there if you haven't got that you know if you've got ag blenders you can you can put those micronutrients into your dry blends or you can put them into your liquid one of the problems with liquids we usually can't get the concentration up high enough and uh, they can they can also be very helpful for through the growing season. But one of the problems you have is, is that you really don't make any progress on on actual soil building with with liquids because it's really difficult to put enough on uh, to be able to make that work. So I always think uh, the dry has been the easiest because you know it's hard to find much more than a seven or eight percent zinc uh, solution, and it's probably chelated but you can get a 36% zinc sulfate. So you can obviously have a more zinc per pound and easier to build it long-term. But uh, I think the thing I would like to say is, is that you have to look at, I always say the first thing you gotta do is set up your game plan 
and then immediately screw it up by farming. Because you got to farm a certain way, <laughs> and it's not ever going to be perfect. But the closer we get to perfection is where we hit the, the peak yields, and uh, we we know what we need to do long term. And it's just a question of fitting it into a program. Uh, the other thing I was thinking as I was talking to you is one of the things is if you're on a short term lease program, then obviously this isn't something you would spend a lot of money to build. But they, since they're so essential to so many growing functions inside the plant, if you've taken care of all the other macro and, and secondary elements, uh, is to get that, uh, that foliar program in place. And it's something that you can, you can maximize your crops at the same time, same time not break the bank. You know, when we think about yield and uh, production, uh, that's one part of the equation. But the other thing I think about is shelf life, storage, quality, those types of things. Do you notice big difference, big differences with certain micros, especially on like vegetables and food crops? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and, you know, the one thing that, you know, and I, I have a lot of things that I use to talk to growers all the time and, and one of the things you got to always look at is, is that, and I don't know who told me this, but I like it, so I'll steal it. But it's uh, farming without economics is gardening. And so we aren't gardening, we're farming. So economics comes into the picture of everything we do. Now, when you have a, a high value, uh, say, vegetable crop, uh, the dollars you have expended or that you're able to expend to get everything you need are there. Plus, longevity of vegetables because they're picked they're, they're sent to somebody to package and then maybe shipped all the way across the country and then they've got to sit on somebody's grocery store on their produce area for several days it better have longevity so these guys understand that the micros are very essential one of the things that was zinc is it's super important to the distribution of all the nutrients across all uh, parts of the leaf surface particularly so if you're a little short of zinc then you don't get that distribution and then those areas that are short of those things like copper that give that plant resiliency or manganese that 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 enzyme that helps in photosynthesis that allows it to to have that keep, maintain that green color longer or iron in the right portions to keep the right bright color that people expect to be on the shelf when they go to buy these things so getting them in is, is essential but you know and it comes back to if you've got the budget to do it you're always better to get them and put them on uh you know uh, our topic is is fixing it but i think fixing it also is within the framework of making it realistic don't ever forget them because if you say well i didn't put them on last year i didn't effectively have much difference uh, your yield will eventually be dependent on how, how short you short micronutrients. Absolutely. It'll be the, the, the lowest save in that barrel. We're talking with Bill Brush. He consults out in the state of California. Bill, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate all the info. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity with fast payback an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. 
Farming is probably the most natural thing for a person to do. It taught me how to take pride in my work, how to put something ahead of myself, whether it was getting up early to feed the livestock or working late to bring in the harvest. Farming taught me to give it my best, no matter the job. My name is Tanner. I'm a farmer. I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, making claims of improving soil health and plant development. But which products will work best on your farm? Well, that's why we're devoting a full day to our first ever Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Wednesday, February 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and we're talking about fixing micronutrient issues on your farm. And we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to the state of Arkansas. we get Trenton Roberts with us right now with the University of Arkansas. Trenton, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. It's a, a beautiful day here in Arkansas, and we're at that time of the year where we get you know, winter one day, spring one day, summer the next. So can't complain when we have a nice day. Yeah, yeah. You never know what you're going to get this time of year. And, and it's. I was just looking at some of the winds, too, that we've got coming through our area. If it comes from your direction, man, we get some nice warm days up here. And if it comes uh, from Canada, well, it's a little bit cooler. So, yeah, I know exactly what you mean this time of year. Okay, so we're talking micronutrients on today's program. And I'm sure you get a lot of questions about this. you got a different growing environment than what we've got up here in, in South Dakota where we farm. Uh, talk to us about some of the micros that, that are pretty important down in the state of Arkansas. Well, I think the message, you know, I try to tell producers is there's a big difference between our expectations with macronutrients and micronutrients. For 
macronutrients, we can pretty much tell you, okay, if you're growing corn, you're going to need nitrogen. We can give you an idea of how much. So we can kind of make some general blanket, you know, assessments. When we start talking about micronutrients, it becomes so much more specific. And by that, I mean it's it's a field-by-field, crop-by-crop situation. And here in Arkansas, the two that we really deal with the most are going to be zinc deficiency in our cereal crops and boron deficiency in our broadleaf crops. All right, let's talk about the zinc because I, I would say – I agree with you completely. Those are the two that we hear the most about as well. And when we look at zinc, there's a, a lot of farmers that say, well, I'm putting a little bit on it planting. Oftentimes it's, times it's a quart. But, man, some of the yields that guys are pulling now, and especially in your state, I mean, there's some really high-yielding farmers down there. There, Chances are a quart probably isn't even covering what they're pulling out with their crop. Yeah, and the nice thing about here in in Arkansas and much of the Mid-South is we can do a really good job of predicting when and where you need zinc based on your soil test zinc level and your soil pH. So as long as we have those two pieces of information, we we can do a really good job of predicting when and where you need uh, that zinc application. But I, I completely agree. You know, if you think about a 200 bushel corn crop, you know, you're going to be needing anywhere from a half to one pound of zinc per acre. And you're going to be removing, you know, about a quarter of a pound of that in the, the harvested grain. So um, you definitely got to be thinking about replacing that that over time. You know, the issue that we have here in Arkansas is our recommended rate for those low soil test zinc levels and high pHs is 10 pounds of actual zinc per acre. And unfortunately, that rate is so high because it's a combination of, you know, getting enough zinc out there to meet our plant needs, but it's also a lot about distribution. Okay, so talk to us about that because we we do get questions about the placement of products. So like I mentioned before, where growers are banding some with the planter, like in the case of corn, Uh, when you're talking about high rates like that, I'm assuming you're talking broadcast and and what are your recommendations around the application? Well, so, you know, down here, me being a soil fertility specialist, I'm always a proponent of building soil test levels. And so that's where you know, fundamentally, I feel like 10 pounds of, of actual zinc per acre, per acre as a granular broadcast is a good approach because if we do that consistently for, you know, three or four years, we can build our soil test zinc level to where we don't have to apply any zinc after awesome. that point. And, and that's part of why we use that approach. Um, when you go with the banded applications, you can definitely get by with lower rates of zinc per acre, but you're never addressing that that soil test level. So we, or I in particular, look at it as more of a Band-Aid application, right? You're just fixing it for that year, for that crop. You're not really addressing the long-term problem. We had a a situation on our farm. We had some side hills where there had been some erosion over the years. And man, we could just see zinc deficiency on those side hills and broadcasting it dry. I I agree with you completely, Trent. That that solved the problem for us. And now we're just kind of doing maintenance in those fields. And that that was a great lesson for us to learn that, wow, we can actually fix this. And then with reduced tillage and and keeping our soil in place, we haven't run into that same issue that our, our forefathers had out there. Zinc's Zinc's an interesting one, and it's much different than boron. When I look at boron, one of the things that you talked about here is using some dry and using 
uh, multiple pounds of actual product to actually build soil test levels where we're at in the north and our ground is frozen half the year and we've got heavy, high organic matter soils. We've been able to build boron levels in our soil. I don't don't know if that would be true in Arkansas. I would guess that you guys with different soils and different weather, that would be a tough thing to do. What, What do you see with boron? Is that one that you just have to feed or is that one you can actually build? Well, boron is definitely different for us. We um, in the South, particularly in Arkansas, do not have a reliable soil test for boron. And, and I hate to admit this, but our soil test boron, at least for the majority of our cotton and soybean ground, is, is pretty useless. Um, you know, our recommendations are really based off of a history of boron deficiency. And, you know, unfortunately, when you have that history, like it's, you know, severe enough that you've got terminal bud death, you know, it's a, it's a catastrophic yield loss. Um, and so really we're not trying to build soil test boron as much as we're just trying to ensure that that deficiency doesn't appear. And, and we, we've supported both granular broadcast approaches as well as in season foliar, you know, with a herbicide application and both seem to be equally effective and, and profitable. All right, so the big question on the boron is, can you overdo it? Do you see guys spending enough money to overdo it, or is there kind of a rate restriction that, that you would utilize, whether it's in the foliar or in the dry broadcast spread? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, in our soils, I don't want to say they're a complete black hole for boron, but um, I think when we start talking about over-application, it, it comes more into that profitability question, you know, um, in our soils, we could certainly put out higher rates of boron, probably without you know many negative effects, but it, it's definitely going to cut into your profitability, right? So, to me, it's more about balancing you know what we need to produce the crop without over applying and spending you know money that we don't necessarily have to, especially in a year like this where input costs are are getting a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> They're nuts this year. Okay, a couple other things. So I we've seen this on our farm, and we're we're kind of looking at some of the ratios of of what we have with nutrients, and and looking at our yield levels and so forth. And we're we're fussy. We're down to the one acre um, measurements right now on our farm in terms of yield and and soil readings to just see what are we seeing. One of the things we've noticed is where we've got our calcium levels up. Uh, that, that seems to be a safener for the boron. If we've got plenty of calcium, we just haven't had any boron issues with toxicity. And then the other thing I'd say is um, we, we're kind of trying to dial in. If we've got a little more calcium, a little more organic matter, we maybe want to have a higher level of boron in the soil. What do you think about that? Have you looked at any of those ratios like with boron and calcium or with the zinc side, phosphorus and zinc? Well, so we we haven't really drilled into that a whole lot. And, you know, my message on that has always been there's definitely some validity to balancing, you know, those cations. Um, But I don't necessarily think the the ratios are as rigid as, you know, some people might think. And I think they're they're kind of a range of ratios, right? When we start talking about, um, you know, like you could say basic cation saturation ratio or just the ratio of cations in the soil. You know, the, the big one that we see here actually in Arkansas has to do more with macronutrients and like magnesium. Um, so we have uh, areas, you know, where our irrigation water is very high in calcium carbonates. And we can have low pH, you know, low CEC soils where 
that added calcium actually interferes with our magnesium. And so that ratio of calcium to magnesium in the soil can be very telling about whether or not we can have a potential magnesium deficiency. Gotcha. Um, but, but, you know, in our soils, uh, and that maybe that's why we can apply so much boron is because we're, you know, basically <laughs> you liming got... the soil every time we, we irrigate. Yeah, you got tons and tons of calcium to deal with, no doubt about that. Well, Trenton, uh, we're out of time here, but thank you so much. Really appreciate all the info today, and good luck to you heading into the spring. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This is a wake-up call for you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar-applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answers to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Tuesday, February 15th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, and more. If you want to make raising soybeans more lucrative and fun, you don't want to miss the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about fixing micronutrient issues on your farm with the ultimate goal of making more yield, making more profit, and having a great quality crop. 
Got our friend Chad Henderson down in the state of Alabama on next. Chad, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good to be on. All right, so we're talking about micros today, and I know a lot of times when you're on the show, you like to talk about yield and how you're trying to, to get more <laughs> yield down on the farm. How big a deal are micronutrients for for you on your farm? Oh, they're, they're huge down here. You know, I mean, they should be huge everywhere, but they're, they're exceptionally huge down here because we can't seem to hold the nutrients that y'all can up with a better CECs, you know. Well, there are some there's some good things and there's some challenges with that too. Sometimes <laughs> our soils hold them so tight they don't want to give them up with uh, they, limited they rainfall. They don't want to turn them loose. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to turn them loose. So somewhere between me and you, that would be a good spot. Yes, I, I think so. There's got to be somewhere where farming's easy because I I don't think it's easy for you, and I know it's not easy up here I'm, either. I'm pretty sure it's where Kelly Garrett says. <laughs> <laughs> it might be it might, well 390 bushel corn i mean you can't really argue with that that's 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 pretty cool i haven't done that yet <laughs> that's right all right so that's when right. you think about it one of the things i was thinking about down in alabama is just soil ph what do you have for ph challenges and do you see that being a big deal in getting some of these micronutrients to be available oh it's, it's huge um the good thing is we're on we have to add lime so we're not on the high side of it you know we're acidic um we our challenge is we we're not really close to much dolomatic lime, so we uh, we have low mag and high cal, so we have calcium lime, and and we'll lime every every two to three years. We'll have to put out some lime. Okay. Yeah. That's... So so that's a big big thing on where we start at. You know, uh, it's pretty amazing how half half to three quarters of a point of pH, how much you'll lock nutrients up. Let's say from six two or six three working either way you know sure sure yeah the the low ph situation i agree with you much easier to to solve it just costs money but mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you can you yeah. can get it to move and you know yeah, one of the things yeah. that we've seen at those low ph's is we see better manganese availability but mm-hmm. uh but there there are certainly some challenges there too uh, do you have mm-hmm. a micro I, i'm sure you're going to say boron because I, I know you can't hold that one <laughs> but outside of boron uh do you have another micro that you say man this is probably one that that we got to do a little more work on well um, I'm i'm gonna tell you the truth you know we're we're really working hard on our zinc you know when when we look at when we look at zinc uh you know we're we're taking a lot more focus on it you know um, it don't really go, they say it won't go anywhere and they say it don't move a lot, but they say, you know, can you fix it one time? What does it put out of balance if you do? So, yeah, that we were just talking with Trenton Roberts over at university of Arkansas and he was saying that pH made a big difference for them and their zinc availability. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. just those, those soil test levels were important to know just to kind of predict where and when you're going to need it, but they're doing some pretty big, I, I Honestly, for a, for a university, I thought Trenton was talking some pretty big numbers on how many pounds of zinc they're broadcasting, and he said, "Yeah, we can we can fix things over three or four years, and then not have to worry about getting the timing just right." But man, if you want zinc to be there available early, that's that's not easy to do with yep. a, with an in season application. Yep. Yep. Well, like I said, you definitely have to keep you know we we have to go back and keep an eye on our phosphorus levels, and we we're, we're treating it our zinc accordingly. To what we want available and what we have available and then where we in the past where we've seen our first couple of tissue samples you know so uh it 
we'll kind of flow it into that nature. But yeah, between the zinc is what we're really focused on a lot right now. Um, you know, like I said, we just agreed to disagree with boron. <laughs> you know, uh, so 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 you know, we just we with boron, we make a pass every time our sprayers make a pass, every time our rigs make a pass, every time something makes a pass, it's got some boron in it. You know, we just keep just trickling it out there. You know. Okay, let me ask you about the boron then. What about dry boron? We we do a lot of dry mm-hmm. broadcast boron. Is that something you can utilize early season or or it, even in season? It is. It is. We so we put out you know from a half a pound to a pound of uh, the dry boron, you know, uh, granny bore. We'll put out it out to start with, and then we trickle it trickle on. Start with a planter and trickle on you know pint to a quart to a half gallon to whatever we feel feeling froggy with, and then we just keep going up with the whole process. But the dry boron works well, and even we've been we've done some playing with the dry boron on a on a side dress application from V four five six up to eight, you know, and trying to figure out how much water it took to make that thing come available, you know, of seventeen percent product to make it come available at the time when we need it, you know, the pollination time. We had a we had a Neil Kinsey consultant on earlier, Bill Brush, out in the state of California, and he made the comment that that comes up every time we talk about micros and we get into some of these different micros. And he talked about iron that if you want things to be dark green, iron is the way to go. So what do you what do you think about that? Do you think that makes a big difference on our corn crop? I, I know sometimes we see a, a lighter green shade out there, and we might think, ah, we didn't get the nitrogen right, or we didn't get the sulfur right. Mm-hmm. But what about iron? Does that kind of get forgotten? It's it's funny that you that's funny to talk about that this this year that I have one of my plots is going to be focused on iron and you know what's too much iron and when when does it need to come in so i hope with me and you have this talk next year then we'll know what worked and what worked and what didn't because i'm i'm not sure on on iron how when and where to tell you the truth is like you said it gets overlooked so much and we know it's we know how important it is in the chlorophyll stages but you know everybody's just so focused on mp and k that you know a lot of these other ones just get run over I, I kind of wonder if Stephen Albright didn't know something about this because uh, <laughs> when Stephen was up at our field day, he he just took one look at some of our corn and he said it's not dark green enough and and just kind of winked. And I never really got to follow up with him on yeah. on what what he's yeah. doing and how he was doing yeah. it. And of course, now he's gone. Yeah. But uh, man, yeah. I, I think a lot yeah. of these things people ask why why people like Chad Henderson share as much information <laughs> as they do with people. You just never know. Life's short. You got to share. Yeah. Otherwise, it's hard. Hard to uh, hard to get that back. Well, you know, you just share hoping that somebody will share with you. That's yeah. what it's all about. You know, we don't share enough as farmers, and and you know, we all have different trials of our own, or we all stumble across something. And the more you share it, then then somebody says, "Oh, I tried that, and this happened." Well, then it you you know you put two and two together on it. And so you know, I don't mind doing a lot of sharing with whatever because I've I promise you, I've made more mistakes than anybody out there. Well, my dad always called that experience. And (laughs) he said experience is previous mistakes. So uh, that's good. If we keep messing things up, we'll we'll eventually figure out how to do it right. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. But yeah, we hope that we know, we learn, you know, a lot more about iron. Uh, We hope to play with more on copper. You know, we know it just takes a little dose of it, but uh, we're going to play a lot more with copper, iron, and and a couple of those that, that we, you know, tend to just breeze right by because we don't always know what we need to know about them. 
Yeah, that's that's for sure. And I, I think about, like for us, when we really started pushing our soybean yields, copper was one of mm-hmm. the things that if mm-hmm. we were short, we ended up with seed coats that were stretching and ripping. And by mm-hmm. adding more copper, we, we added some resiliency to that seed coat. And I see corn kind of the same way. I mean, you're, you're popping some big corn yields out there. And I, I have to imagine you got to focus a little bit on that stock, too, to, to be able to hold it up. That's exactly right. You know, we always want to blame it on the seed company a lot of times. If a stock falls down, well, that wouldn't work good. But, you know, it's, it takes several things, you know, to keep that stock up. You know, low potash is one of the first ones. And, and you know, copper plays a role in that. And, you know, we've got several things that plays a role, and everybody wants to blame it on the seed company. I just got a got a message that came in from Jesse, and he said, "Thanks for having Chad on to represent us farmers down here in Alabama." Uh, yeah, you know it's it's fun. Uh, we're, so we're up in the north, of course, and and uh, people yeah. do like hearing from guys down in the south. And I, honestly, I think yeah, the guys up yeah. north here uh, enjoy it too. Just man, we we don't understand the challenges that we think it'd be great to have the climate you've got compared to when we're getting snow up here, but there's some challenges with that too. Yeah, you know, it, it's. I guess we need a we need it to be a narrative at the bottom. Most time when we get to talking, we talk so fast down here that you know they have to back up and replay it to figure out what we're talking about. So, so if they get get to understand us, we, we're doing all right. You bet. Well, Chad, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time today to to be on the show and share a little bit about I, micros and good luck I, to you I, heading I, into the spring. I really, I really enjoyed it, and uh, it's always it's always good to hear what y'all got going on up there. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Chad. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It takes a team to beat resistant weeds. Experts agree using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective, contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide-resistant strains. Tough 5EC is a perfect teammate, having a synergistic effect with HPVD inhibitors and enhances products in the PS2 group. Make Tough 5EC part of your winning team. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, making claims of improving soil health and plant development. But which products will work best on your farm? Well, that's why we're devoting a full day to our first ever Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Wednesday, February 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products and want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. 
Soybean growers are dealing a swift blow to tough broad leaves and grasses with the two-in-one power of Moccasin MTZ. Moccasin MTZ combines the power of s metolachlor and a higher load of Metribuzin for outstanding weed control right from the outset with extended residual control to keep tough weeds down, including pigweed, water hemp, ragweed, and mare's tail. In addition to annual grasses like foxtail and barnyard grass, ask your retailer about Moccasin MTZ and always read and follow label directions. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Listen to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time now, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Got uh, some soil tests in here, and this one comes in from Justin in North Carolina. Uh, Justin says, I've got some ground here. It's not my best, but it is ground that we own. And we want to try and build this up. We pulled soil samples and noticed the zinc levels are higher in the low yielding areas than in the average yielding areas. Our calcium is in the 50s and our base saturation, our magnesium is in the 20s. We recently bought some gypsum to build up the calcium and lower the magnesium levels. And he just makes makes some comments here. He's got a couple... Uh, samples that are below level, uh, some are above average, some have higher mag and so forth, but just wondering what we would see looking at the same tests. All right, well, thanks a lot for the tests. We really appreciate it, Justin. And and uh, looking at them right away, I see a lot of low pH. And so for, for us in that point, you know, we've got some samples here that are, that are in the sixes. And if they're in the sixes, we'd probably just go with the gypsum like you did. Uh, but But when we're in the four upper fours and low fives, then we'd be going with lime in that case to try to to build that up. Your magnesium percentages are high, so we would recommend running with calcitic lime. So very low magnesium and very high calcium in those spots to try to change that. Looking at your base saturations, yeah, we've got uh, some calciums that are down in the 50s and and even lower. So we're going to certainly need some more some more calcium out there. So as we do that liming, that would take care of that situation. Now we got a Malik 3 analysis, uh, looking at cation exchanges anywhere from uh, 4 to 14, 17. So 4 to 17. So yeah, you got quite a range in, in soil types there. Uh, so certainly what you're doing on that 17 CEC is going to be a little bit different than what you're getting by with on the 4. Uh, but, you know, just looking across, you got quite a range of of P and K levels out there. It looks to me like we need potassium in all cases and we'd be working on that and phosphorus as well. So I'm not sure what, what access you have to litter there or manure. Uh, that might be a good way to economically bring up P and K this year, uh, with fertilizer prices as high as they are. But if you just started doing at least a, a light build, even on a year like this, where you say, I'm going to put out what my crop removal rates are and maybe 50% more or double my crop removal rates, something like that, uh, to just start building things up. 
you know, looking across um, definitely different test measurements than than what I'm used to seeing here. Looks like very low sodium, which is great, uh, but uh, some of the other nutrients, it's not. We don't have all the things that we're looking at on the the test that we're running, but I mean, if it was me, I would focus. We're talking about on our show today, ironically, micronutrients. But in this case, I think I'd be focusing on those those macronutrients, the primary and the secondary nutrients. So building up calcium and building up P and K, and at that point, then I'd see where the chips fall about doing the other things. And uh, I do agree with the recommendation on getting some more sulfur out there. In fact, we might even put just a little bit more than the 20 pounds that they're recommending, but um, you can play around some with sulfur rates a little bit too and, and see what you found. Uh, thanks for the test. We really appreciate that. And I, I uh, would say this too on those zinc levels. You, you just have such a wide variance in, in CECs too that it's hard to, hard to track some of that. But, but uh, you know, on like, for example, where you've got an 11 CEC, you get 372 in the zinc measurement. That's, that's a massive number. So yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that all plays out. It's a different test than what we're used to. So we don't really have a, a basis from which to, to judge where those levels are. But again, I think I'd focus just on the, the P and K and calcium and build from there. Thanks for the test, Justin, and thanks for, for checking out our show. I really appreciate that. Uh, got a couple of comments that came in. One was about cost of production. Surprise, surprise, in 2022. Uh, this one came in from Chuck. He said you guys had done a, a cost of farming segment in previous years. You guys definitely need to redo that for 2022 and share what some of these new costs are. Hey, Chuck, thanks for the comment. Thanks for checking out our content online. We really appreciate that. You're right. The The cost of production this year is pretty nuts. So yeah, it's it looks great for farmers that our crop prices are good, but when cost of production is, is higher too, that has to all be uh, looked at in terms of return on investment. All right, got this one in from Dan down in Iowa. He said, guys, I'm working on a planter upgrade, and I got a question on something that I saw in one of your episodes uh, that I was watching. Uh, you guys were talking about putting on in-furrow insecticide and fungicide, and you showed a, an injection system on your planter mounted in front of the fertilizer tank. I'm trying to figure out what that system is uh, to, to see what I could do to, to get a couple different things on my planter, too. And Dan sent a picture along with it. That's a dosatron system. So it's kind of the cheap way to do things, and it does work just fine. So there there are other fancier systems and and, and perhaps better systems too, but, but for us, uh, the economics of farming are really important too. That was a cheap way to go. So, yeah, I check out a dosatron system, and there actually are some products, and I, I don't remember on that particular one if uh, there was some sort of deal that we got from a uh, – chemical manufacturer that was just looking for, uh, hey, if you buy so much of our product, you can have one of these dosatrons. I, I mean, it was literally, we're talking about a few hundred bucks. So it wasn't, it wasn't very expensive anyway. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate you checking that out. Good luck as you get that planter ready to go. Spring will be here before you know it. All right, got some more um, soil tests that came in. And this is from Nathan. And he said, I just signed up to go to Neil Kinsey's seminar next week. And here are some soil tests that we've got that we took in uh, good crops or poor crops. And I want to get a little bit of insight on these. We've got more tests than I'm probably going to be able to get through all in one day here. But um, since we're towards the end of the show, but let me 
take a run at a few of these. Uh, he said, so the soybean ones uh, are irrigated and the poor beans look short all season long, didn't canopy and yielded 10 to 15 bushels less than than the good ones. So I'll, I'll focus on that. So when you look at the poor ground, we've got really high levels of phosphorus, significantly higher than, than what's in the good ground. And uh, potassium numbers are are higher as well. And I can see that would be a little bit frustrating. When you look at the micronutrients, uh, we've got really high zinc in comparison uh, and uh, quite a bit higher iron in comparison too. So something going on there. And actually the pH is a little closer to 7 in the poor ground versus the good. So yeah, looking at uh, those samples, it just just the, at first glance anyway, it looks like, oh man, we, we should be better off on the, the poor ground than the good. Here's one of the things that happens though, Nathan, and I don't know what the fertility plan has been there in the past, but we see in our area guys doing, doing similar things where they're broadcasting a rate of fertility on the ground and had for many years, and there's just fertilizer left where the ground is poor, and compared to the ground that's good, where we're raising big crops and pulling a lot of fertility out of the ground. That could certainly be part of it. Uh, there could be a, a past history on that part of the field of uh, manure applications or, or different things. In some, in some cases, we see high levels of manure ending up with more salts. But unfortunately, this particular test that you ran didn't run sodium, didn't run salt, uh, and... Uh, didn't run nitrate tests either. So I think there's more to the story. And I would suggest that perhaps you run a, a different analysis. The one that we like to run is called the SC3 test or S3C test, sorry. And you could also run that, run the Malik version of that as well through Midwest Labs. I don't think it costs much different than the analysis that you ran. So I'd, I'd consider running something just a little bit different and see what you got. Um, Looking at your plant tissue analysis, there's uh, I've got just a minute left in the show here, but uh, looking at some of the corn, yeah, you can see we've got some low numbers on there in boron and nitrogen and um, yeah, irrigation water. That that could be a challenge there of either over irrigating or not just not adding enough out there. Uh, but on the soybeans, looking at the the growth stage there on the beans but I've got some decent numbers showing up at least in the tissue levels so it appears we've got a little more work to do there I think we're gonna have to comment on this just a little bit more on tomorrow's show as well Nathan you got a lot of complex issues so I'm glad you're coming up to the Neil Kinsey seminar uh, for anybody just wondering about that uh, you can check out agphd.com click on the events tab there's information about Neil Kinsey's seminar which is coming up February 22nd through the 24th and also you'll find information about the next couple of days here, the Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop and Naturals Workshop coming up on the 15th and 16th of February. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to tune in each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.